Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Chris Reed, CEO of Neomatos, ASX-listed project generator company. They're sitting with about 100 million bucks in the bank. Uh, it was pretty similar to their market cap, quite frankly. And we can't work out why, because these guys have got some exciting projects in their portfolio. We talk about one of them today, a vanadium recovery project in Sweden. Uh, SSAB steel mills uh, produce a lot of slag, and Neomatos have got a hydromat technology with which to extract vanadium at a lowest quartile number quite exciting. So we talk about how they intend to develop this project. We also touch upon some of the other projects, such as the battery um, recycling project, the lithium project, and the titanium project. So take a listen. hope you enjoy it, and uh, let us know what you think. Enjoy the podcast. Chris, how are you doing, sir? Very, very well, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I better say hello to Darren and Dave. How are you guys? Yeah, good, thanks. Morning, Dave. Very good. Good to speak to you again. Good to speak to you again. But uh, we are going to be talking today about uh, a press release um, with regards to your vanadium project in Europe. Um, good news, Chris. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, you know, as a, as a first pass, we've got a project that can operate in the first quartile of operating costs and is, uh, you know, secured by a conditional long-term supply agreement. So, you know, given given the exceptional grade of the stockpiles, you know, it, it comes as no surprise and, and we've got plenty of scope to, to improve those outcomes. But, you know, uh, first hurdle passed. Yep. No, it's, it's good. I was looking through some of, the, some of the numbers and I do want to get through it. But why don't you kick off and give people a sort of that one minute reminder of what it is um, that you put together here on this particular deal? Certainly. So Neo Metals is funding the evaluation uh, of constructing a, a, a processing operation to recover vanadium from byproducts from uh, Sweden's national steelmaker SSAB. So we we uh, earning in, if you like, into a 50-50 joint venture with a company called Critical Metals, uh, unlisted. And so we are funding the evaluation that satisfies our earning requirement. The Critical Metals has a conditional 10-year supply agreement with SSAB to purchase the stockpiles of the uh, of the byproduct slag that's stockpiled at two locations in Sweden and one in Finland. Okay, brilliant. So we did. We have talked about this uh, just a few weeks ago, and obviously you've moved things on significantly. You've got the scoping study. I mean, have things gone smooth, smoothly as expected? And are the you know as a result what you thought? Because you know when you were quite confident when we last spoke, but it's never always uh, plain smoothing, uh, plain sailing. Yeah, look, I think uh, you know we did an extensive due diligence before entering into the agreement with, with Critical and indeed the, the back-to-back agreement with SSAB. Uh, we took samples from the three major uh, dumps or, or stockpiles. Uh, we then subjected them to bench scale laboratory test work that was undertaken by under Dr. David Robinson's supervision. We then fed that into uh, an engineering study managed by Darren Townsend. We got Primero, who are an Australian APC firm, to, to, to undertake it. I think it's fair to say that, um, you know, we, 
it was an extensive due diligence period. It was about nine or 10 months in, in total. So we were able to complete the metallurgical test work uh, commensurate with being able to move very quickly to a scoping study. Uh, you know, in fact, during the, the, the scoping study, we've taken samples for the pre-feasibility test work. And now we've got a, a, a drill rig up on site taking variability samples, which you would normally find as a precursor for a full feasibility study. So we, we have a, a timeline, an indicative timeline that we put into the market. Uh, and of course, we're a very well-funded project developer and, and we have our foot flat to the boards so to speak. Yeah, and I mean, that, I mean that's, that's a good point and possibly one worth reminding people, you are very well funded. You've got a hundred plus million bucks in the bank. Um, this project developer model that you guys have engaged with, you've done it successfully with Matt Marion on the Lithium Project. You've got to take, you've got various projects on the go. And I think the, in fact, just if you would, just describe the, the model that you employ there, because it means that you're able to not use up vast sums of money, but develop projects through to a point where you bring in strategic partners effectively. Yeah, essentially we, uh, you know, we are project developers. What we identify is a long, we, we want to be in commodities that have uh, a very strong long-term uh, fundamentals from a demand and supply point of view. And so our exposure that links all of our projects is to the, the EV and energy storage thematic. Um, and that, that picks out the commodities and we pick out the projects that we like. Um, traditionally, we've been more upstream. What we've now done is, is pivot towards recycling with respect to, to lithium. We developed an, up, uh, an upstream lithium operation. We're now looking at the ultimate downstream, which, which is the recycling. We do have an upstream titanium vanadium project, but we're now looking at uh, materials recovery from uh, from you know essentially what is a equivalent to a tailings from a, a mining perspective. So, um, you know, we we identify the projects, we build value uh, by taking them through evaluation or exploration if it's if it's needed to make the, really the size of the pie bigger. And then what we try to do to optimise our outcome from an invested capital and indeed from a risk perspective uh, is to bring in strong uh, partners to, to operate and, fin and finance it essentially, uh, some offtake, uh, and that enables us to develop the projects at their optimal size, which is, which is quite often difficult for, for smaller mining companies with that excessive dilution. I mean, as you mentioned, we've got a fantastic balance sheet. I, I think at last quarter, it was a little under 100 in terms of total working capital being cash and, and, and investments. It'll be a little less because we've paid an 11, what, $10.9 million dividend uh, in the latest quarter. So that will naturally go down. Um, but, you know, we are very well funded to, to push these projects through to an optimal size, but then you actually have to get them uh, into operation. And, and we've done that with a couple of multi-billion dollar, dollar companies developing Mount Marion into what is the world's third largest source of lithium units in the world uh, as of sort of last quarter. Uh, and we've got strong partners for the battery recycling in, in SMS group. Uh, we've got looking at a, an Indian 
lithium converting plant with Manakaran, who's India's third largest power trading company, using um, a lithium feedstock offtake that we retained as part of the sale process. We're working with Chinese group uh, on Barambi, uh, and at this stage we're doing some some nickel exploration. Uh, we have about 140,000 nickel metal tons. Nickel's obviously going to be a very increasingly important commodity in the EVs as we move to uh, the less cobalt bearing uh, EV batteries. Now, I think, I think it's fascinating. Why we were attracted to you and why we keep talking to you is it's the, um, you, you're kind of coming at a slightly unusual angle in the sense that you're in the, the battery EV thematic, that space, but you're trying to get away from the risk, underground risk, and you know, go above, above ground on some of these projects like the battery recycling and obviously this um, vanadium recovery program as well from, from Slag. So it, it's just kind of interesting also from not only trying to de-risk some of your investments, but the kind of whole ESG component to it as well seems seems to be very timely um, at the moment. Is that is that a big part of your thinking? Well, look, certainly we're walking the talk in terms of uh, the last two projects uh, and the nearest sort of projects to, to significant re-rating events are indeed uh, in the recycling and materials recovery as opposed to upstream mining. You know, it is um, it is less risky because obviously you don't have to mine the material. I'm not saying it's without risk, but it's it's a much more quantifiable risk, uh, and uh, it has obviously a lower CO2 footprint because there's no mining and, and processing upstream involved. Um, and we're recovering high-value products and and, and really closing. Um, you know, the, the loop for these supply chains where, you know, societal and government regulations expect best practice and best utilisation of finite resources, you know, and, and recycling of materials, recovery, you know, ticks ethical, environmental, security of supply issues, particularly when you look at Europe that doesn't have a massive amount of domestic supply of these key building blocks to to keep powering their their ev revolution yeah and i think i think that's absolutely right you know we again we have lots of conversations about more and more of the the funds out there are looking for proper end-to-end you know well, carbon neutral to as much as you can do but more of the process being socially responsible uh, as well so that it's just kind of interesting from that angle as, as to some of the when you think about all of these big funds sort of changing the terms of their investment thesis so it's, it's just something that we wanted to touch on maybe we can come back to you and learn a, bit, a little bit more but look, back to this project um you're in europe there's a big uh, battery uh, initiative in Europe. You've kind of got China, Europe, and USA trying to create their own kind of ecosystems for for this. I mean, have you have you been sort of encouraged by what you've seen about the way that um, Europe is approaching this? Um, do you see any country risk in any of this? Any barriers? So look, I, I think in terms of country risk uh, up in Scandinavia. Um, they do expect uh, a high level uh, of environmental responsibility. Uh, and look, we're, we're very confident in, in the process and, and the people and the partners that we have that 
you know, we'll we'll move through that uh, as as we expect to. Um, it is a, a very environmentally friendly process that that um, Dr. Dave has has come up with. Um, you know, it will leave uh, the feedstock in better condition environmentally than 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 we find it. We are able to extract it. It all. I mean, it's a win-win in terms of you know we we will be essentially remediating um, what would be a responsibility of of the steelmakers to um, to handle that, rehabilitate that in uh, at some point in the future and extract value. So I think you know we're pretty we're pretty confident with that. I mean, in terms of the EU generally. Um, and you know the battery initiatives and and all the regulatory and and investment uh, incentives from you know the, the local, state, federal, and and even the EU is uh, is really you know a, a fantastic tailwind uh, to be the beneficiary of. So you know we are very comfortable with uh, with operating in 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 that hemisphere. So, so tell me about, and it might be one for Dr. Dave, um, which is around the, the flow sheet and the process, because you guys have got this hydromat process, and traditionally it's, there's been a sort of pyromat process. I mean, is that, was that part of your, the reason why you were able to get this contract? I and mean, how much did that contribute to the thinking um, when you were sort of in discussions with, um, with your partner? Yeah, very much from, on my mind was a, a clean process. And uh, we've come up with a hydrometallurgical flow sheet that is very selective for vanadium removal. And as Chris says, it actually leaves the, the leach residue as a much more stable form of the slag than the original stockpile. So we're actually improving the quality of the material that's left behind after the leach, as well as removing the value element. Where's the, so the skill totally resides, or the intellectual property resides with neo-metals. And your partner is expecting you to deliver on that. And remind me again, are you, will you be operating here or are you just giving up the technology? So look, I could probably jump in there, Matt. So we, we have agreed to license the technology into the joint venture. Uh, at this stage, we are looking to have a 50-50 incorporated joint venture uh, in what will be a, what is a, currently a, a Swedish company that holds the rights or is the counterparty to the conditional um, purchase agreement for the feedstocks. Um, and so we will work with them in, in terms of, uh, of operating. I mean, obviously, we've got to make this uh, a, a success. So I think we'll have equal contributions. Um, and it's quite likely that I mean, our, our technical team will, will obviously have to uh, be involved in the IP transfer into the, the operational base. Certainly, uh, up at where we're targeting this at, uh, at Lulia, uh, up in the north of Sweden, it's a fantastic location. There's there's actually a, a technical university there with somewhere around fifteen thousand students. So, from what I can work out, it's it's almost the equivalent of of having a mine in Kalgoorlie, where you have the West Australian School of Mines, where you've got a good supply of uh, of um, you know skilled skilled potential operators okay so let's let's move into the the economics here because that's what you know investors 
and potential investors looking at this, this is what they want to understand is what, what do the numbers look like? So you, the numbers that we're seeing is you, we, we talked about before, 200,000 tons per annum. It's a, in a, currently a 10 year um, term with the possibility of extension. So they're sitting with around 2 million tons at surface. So that's, that's quite nice. What is the likelihood of being able to upscale this thing in terms of the kind of life of mine equivalent, given it's all sitting above ground? I mean, what do they do? They keep feeding more and more onto the stockpile. Yeah, correct. Uh, they're, they're currently adding to the stockpile somewhere around, uh, in my mind, about 180 odd thousand tons per annum. Um, we have uh, a number of years where we are moving through the pre-feasibility study next financial year, then the feasibility study the year after, then we've got a, a construction window. Uh, I expect that they'll add somewhere between six and 700,000 tonnes by the time that we uh, look to, to want to start processing material. One of the conditions we have in the agreement is that uh, upon making a a positive investment decision will actually purchase um, the stockpiles at Lulia um, and, and we would then move them over to our site so that we've always got, you know, what would be in a mining parlance, the, the equivalent of uh, uh, having stockpiles ahead of your mill uh, for a number of years. You know, I, I, I expect that um, satisfactory performance of, of, of the contract uh, if it's indeed a win-win where we're, we're paying valuable consideration to SSAB while alleviating the, the costs required to potentially rehabilitate or remediate those stockpiles. Um, and we are operating to best practice. Uh, I couldn't see any reasonable basis that um, we couldn't have a meaningful discussion about increasing the, uh, the scale upwards or extending the life outwards i think with such a uh, an extensive stockpile at the moment it would it would make sense to us to to examine a, an increase in the production rate okay so vanadium market at the moment um has always been a little bit erratic um or certainly has in the last two three years in terms of pricing you guys are i think the number was quite low it's like 3.92 dollars a pound which is pretty darn low um, there's margin to be made uh, there even at today's prices um, what do you think the vanadium market's going to do and to remind people about 90 percent of that goes into the steel sector um, and people yeah. are talking about vanadium re redox flow batteries as well coming to the fore but um, where, where do you think you're going to be selling this into and how yeah, look, at, at this stage, the, the flow sheet contemplates producing vanadium pentoxide, uh, which is quite a common uh, chemical. It's probably the largest chemical that's produced. Um, most of the production is, is pentoxide converted into ferrovanadium that hardens steel. Increasing applications in terms of, uh, you know, it, it is a master alloy for aerospace titanium alloys. You have to alloy the titanium metal, which is which is strong but brittle, with uh, vanadium and aluminium that make it ductile, um, and also you have, uh, as you mentioned, the the vanadium redox battery. So we have the flexibility to go from V two O five into into a sulfate precursor, 
uh, or we can extend ourselves uh, to make ferrovanadium. Okay, so I'm building the picture you've kind of got around, in my mind, to the, uh, from what you've said before you get into production, or sorry, once you've made the decision to get into production and you can get to that point, you've got about 13 years worth of feedstock, but it's com- continually being replenished. The option of upscaling it and having discussions about you know, 100% ownership of, of, of stock as well. So that's, that's kind of interesting to me in the context of it being a low cost uh, or lowest quartile producer. Um, can we get into the numbers and the you know the FID here? So what what is the process between now and the point at which you you know do get into production that you guys are going through? Because you can you can choose to opt out at any point, but I suspect what you're saying now is that we, we we're very encouraged and we probably won't be doing that. So what is the process between here and getting into production and when would that be? So next step for us is to complete the pre-feasibility study and we need to have that completed by middle of next year and um, effectively work as you know, in proxy sort of already commenced on that. We've started collecting samples from the stockpiles up in Sweden. We've got a drill rig up there at the moment and um, we will uh, you know, obviously take that work and continue on through into the pre-feasibility study. Formally, we'll get our board approval in the coming uh, a couple of months to formally commence that but early works have started um so that'll be by the middle of next year we'll then uh, you know off the back of success from that look to go through to a feasibility study which we'd be looking to complete by the middle of 2022 and a fid for the project at the end of 2022. okay so the the fid would be end of 2022 Okay, and what happens at that point? How, how much money, how much more money? In fact, how much money between now and then? And then what would you have to then commit yourself to at, at the end of 2022? Sure, well, the studies that we're funding at the moment, that's our obligation in our arrangement with Critical Metals. And uh, we're talking total expenditure for all of our commitments of circa $5 million. And that's, sorry, that's in total, or is that from now to that point? That's from now to the Fed. Right, and then when you when you've done the fit, is it how how what's the what Chris probably back to you in terms of the terms? What have you agreed to do in terms of your capital expenditure and commitments? Yeah, sure. So for the the FID, um, as I mentioned earlier, we would be purchasing uh, seven hundred thousand tons of stockpiles at Lulia. The ultimate price depends on the prevailing vanadium price at that point in time. Uh, I suspect it'd be somewhere between five and ten percent of the overall capex of the of the project uh, potentially to purchase those stockpiles. But like I said, it's vanadium dependent; might be a little higher. Um, and essentially, the capital costs that we are looking at uh, about 160 million US dollars. Uh, we be in a 50-50 incorporated joint venture with critical metals. So, you know, our uh, funding requirement would be 80 million US dollars. And then, of course, we would try to bring in uh, some of the uh, debt that's available for uh, some of the, you know, these EU uh, innovate where these uh, financings are, are coming through for commodities that are that are linked to the... Uh, 
energy storage and EV thematic. This one really lends itself more to the energy, stationary energy storage thematic. I mean, VRBs have been around for a while. Um, you've got Robert Friedland bought the world's second largest VRB manufacturer in China. Um, I know they've got very bullish plans going forward for that project. You know, we see that there are quite a lot of, v there's quite a lot of VRB manufacturing capacity held back by the availability of, of the electrolyte, which is a key part and which is essentially uh, a vanadium sulfate solution. So, you know, if you, if you wanted to tailor it for the green funds, you would, you would produce vanadium sulfate. Uh, if you were looking to use the traditional Exim financings, you would probably either look at a, a pentoxide or a ferrovanadium or a metallic sort of form that could go into the steel makers. But it is a wonderfully, um, I guess, unique uh, chemistry or, or not chemistry, compound or element that you know you can have multiple uses from hardening steel <clears throat> you have uh, pharmaceutical applications you have energy storage applications and then you have aerospace uh, applications so um, no, i think it's an interesting that, time i think that augurs yeah. well nothing yeah it does augur well for vanadium uh, moving forward as it does with a lot of battery metals um, at the moment. You, you're all nervous about, I mean, given the timelines and all, what you're doing between now and 2022, are you nervous at all about what's happening on the macroeconomy? Do you think there's a kind of disjoint there between, you know, what's happening in the world and, uh, and, what you, and, and your business? Yeah, look, I, I think uh, I, I take some solace that it, it is actually a hard asset. They're hard commodities and... and, and you know, they generally respond if there's some inflation to maintain their sort of value. I think for me, yes, the vanadium market is one of the most volatile commodities out there. I mean, we acknowledge that. We've been in the vanadium uh, titanium development game for about 16 years. So we are acutely aware of that. And the only long-term defensible strategy with my miners hat on is to be as far down the cost curve as humanly possible and to keep driving that. Now, I think one of the, one of the overarching thematics for a lot of commodities worldwide is that we are, the mines are getting deeper and the grades are getting lower and the mining costs or the, the mining costs per unit of output of final production uh, endlessly going up and you are getting cost push inflation. So um, I, don't, I don't want to rely on demand pull inflation because I'm not entirely sure when the world economy will be back in, in, and, and we will receive demand pull uh, pricing. But, you know, I can say that there is, there would be cost push inflation at the current market price. And as you pointed out, being in the first quartile, you are comforted by the fact that the other 75% of producers are in a worse spot and that, you know, I think if you go back to fundamental economics, the, you will turn off quite a lot of production and the price will respond before you ever get down to the bottom quartile. 
Okay, so a lot of the things you talked about today, it seems very, very positive. We're just at, you know, we're just at a scoping stage. There's a lot of things that've got to go right between now and the end of 2022. But is there anything that's making you nervous in any of this? Are you, are you seeing anything in the European economy which makes you nervous? Your partner? Once you take the mine out of it, the 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 feedstock, the first 10 years feedstock exists above ground today. It is actually improving as the snow builds up on it and then melts every year until we get to the stage of starting to process it. We will leave the material in better condition than when we found it. I can't see from a, a you know, a, a holistic or an altruistic perspective how this is not a win-win for every stakeholder. I, I just can't, you know, I, I think it's one of the few projects I've ever seen in my life that, that you know, you will genuinely be leaving somewhere in a better condition than you found it and be able to make some money. And I think, you know, we're blessed if we can remediate something and, and earn a good return from it. No, I think, I think that's true. We've been experiencing, again, with a handful of uh, tailings companies, um, mostly on precious metals and so forth, but um, and PGMs. But th- I think, the, that again, coming back to that whole ESG component, I, d- I do agree with you there, and I think that's kind of reflected in, in the share price when they've kind of got things going, when they've got to, into production. That's why I'm saying, you know, was asking a question, between now and getting into production, anything that kind of sticks out as you know, a hurdle to be, uh, to be got over or something to be addressed? Um, yeah, look, I think we, we're not familiar with operating uh, up in Sweden. Our partner, Critical Metals, has been operating since 2007 up there and has had a number of projects, has uh, extensive uh, contacts on the ground and operating around that area and and that without them we would not have ventured to to expend capital uh, in the evaluation of this opportunity okay so if we look and we look at ssab obviously huge you know billion dollar uh, operation billions of dollars of operation there um they are they've got lot, lots of um feedstock coming 180 000 tons a year is is significant. Um, do the, is, is there room to do more with them? Have they got more stocks elsewhere? I mean, are those conversations which are happening? Assuming you get over the line with this one and you prove that you're, you know, you, you can yeah, work together. Yeah, look, I think when, when you're entertaining uh, or you, you're entered into an agreement and it's a new relationship, you know, then we've not interacted with them before. And so I think as we go through our studies and meet our timelines and, and our interactions, uh, which with our partners are, are very frequent, th- then you build up the rapport. And, and I'd like to think, you know, we're comfortable with how we operate and, and our history in, in the industry. And, you know, they've been operating in, uh, in Scandinavia for a very, very long time. And I think you know, if, if we perform well and they perform well, I, I can't see why you wouldn't look to deepen your relationship. Okay. Look, I'm really interested in see see how this thing moves. And I think of the next date, Darren, that you you talked about was um, feasible, pre-feasibility by middle of next year. So that's the next thing that we should be looking for. Is there anything in between now and then that's um, worth being aware of? 
I think as we progress with our drilling activities up on site and recover more material, I think as we get results from that drilling and uh, results from the laboratory, we'll be able to keep the market informed of uh, upgrades uh, through those processes. Okay, brilliant. Um, well, look, I mean, guys, thanks for that. Like, I'm just interested because you do have a number of projects on the go. You know, you, you see, you kind of juggling things here, or do you think that you're kind of you, you feel relatively in control in each of those? Because we've mentioned obviously the titanium, you've got the battery recycling, you've got this project, you've got nickel, you've got some great projects in the portfolio. Do you feel in control? Absolutely. I mean, that's what we've got dedicated teams to each one of the businesses. And, and we've got partners for, for each of the businesses. I mean, we know our skill set, we know what we do. We take successful R&D outcomes, we take successful exploration projects, and we try to take them so far, and then we want to monetize them with strong partners uh, who bring operating and, and financial skills. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, actually, because again, you, you're not short of cash, like say, you know, nearest down at 100 million bucks, um, but I think, when do you think this re-rate moment comes? When do you think people will recognise um, each of the the projects in their own right and then give you some credit for that? Because I know it's kind of early days and you could segue from being a miner to being a project developer and perhaps there's a period you've got to go through. But how quick do you think that re-rate will come? Yeah, look, I think uh, certainly the, the nearest cash flow on the horizon uh, is the battery recycling joint venture. So, you know, the catalyst there where you're partnering with a multi-billion dollar company, we own what would be the largest uh, comminution and beneficiation or shredding plant for lithium batteries in Europe. Part of that has arrived already in Germany. The rest will shortly depart the US uh, and we will have that assembled uh, in Germany ready for operation, I, I think perhaps towards the end of end of this year. We have had obviously a couple of months slippage from COVID. Uh, you know, putting that partnership, which is really SMS commercializing what has been a great outcome in, in our R&D program, uh, coupled with the fact that we, we already own uh, what would be Europe's largest front end and then putting economics into the margin, uh, or the, sorry, the, the, the margins into the market uh, will help it be valued, you know, and we're looking to get to an FID for this project in 2021. If you make it, and, and so, you know, that that gives the market a lot more confidence we can actually make money and increase our balance and worth. Uh, and then you're having a look at, you know, 21 for the battery recycling, and then you've got 22 for... Uh, the vanadium recovery project and then you have 23 you know you could have the lithium hydroxide refinery uh, because you want production there to be to be delivered in about 25 um, you know barambi is a project that that has its mining and construction approvals and we are just waiting for the market so that we can secure uh, offtake that would underpin development of the project with the nickel exploration, um, you know, nickel, uh, almost like lithium, we see that you, you'd want to be starting to, to deliver into the back half of this decade. And so we are in uh, the process there. We've got 11 nickel sulfide 
resources, we wouldn't mind adding to that a little bit. And then what we can have a look at is giving, moving that out of exploration into uh, perhaps a, a dedicated listed vehicle for the benefit of our shareholders and put a development team to go through the evaluation, a multi-year evaluation, so that they can look to make an FID to deliver uh, into you know when we think the market is right. You're stacking them up, Chris. You're definitely stacking them up. We've got a fantastic portfolio of, of projects now, varying levels of capital intensity, all uh, and and varying levels of, of uh, return on invested capital for sure, but all good projects and and you know we like to make uh we like to make money uh and and share it with our shareholders you know that's you know being realistic and partnering and getting your money back early and taking the risk out has enabled us to deliver in excess of 55 million dollars back to the shareholders in five years now there's not that many miners that you know can can do that and it's something that we pride ourselves on yeah, well, it's, it's a nice way to finish the conversation. Dividend paying, fully funded, ESG compatible, um, you know, multiple projects stacked to deliver, you know, over the next um, two, three, four and five years. So great job. Look, stay in touch, guys, when uh, there's something to say. I'm sure there will be. You've got so much on. So uh, appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very Thanks. much, Matt. You keep well. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.